0: Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead, and I'm your host, Rob Zachney. With me tonight is one of my regular panel, Troy Goodfellow. Troy, welcome to the show.
1: (laughs) Only one of your regular panel?
0: Bruce is an elite irregular unit.
1: Oh, he's an elite elite irregular unit, I had no idea. But yes, it's good to be here for two weeks in a row, which doesn't happen all that often anymore.
0: It's really unusual. And of course, well, we kind of let the cat out of the Uh, bag. Bruce has come back. Bruce has returned to us. Hello, gamers. (laughs) And now Bruce is going to go on vacation for a long time. Yeah, I... I, Continue wearing the skin of gamers he lures into his den.
2: I keep keep waiting for you guys to kick me off for doing that, but you you didn't kick Tom off for his uh, freaking coffee thing, so I figure it doesn't get any worse than that.
0: The reason... uh, So our topic for today comes (laughs) from the fact that it's... uh, about the 150th anniversary of the second battle of bull run and one of the things i kind of want to do during uh you know throughout uh, as major civil war milestones come and go i kind of want to revisit some of the best games uh in the civil war genre and take command uh, second manassas is uh, easily the best and actually i think one of the few games to cover the second battle of bull run Uh, and If you haven't played Take Command before, in many ways it's a, uh, I would say a more serious uh, Sid Meier's Gettysburg. And it does some very it it has some very interesting things to say about sort of the nature of of Command in this period. Uh, So I kind of wanted to start off, you know, throw it open to you guys, uh, you know, sort of share some favorite memory, memories of this game and uh, sort of how, how take, the Take a Man series uh, evolved on what we saw in Sid Meier's Gettysburg.
1: Well, I mean, I the Take a Man series is kind of um, has a pretty strong uh, memory for me because my first game developers' conference, uh, the Mad Minute guys were at the indie booth, and they were presenting the first Take Command game, and the first I'd ever heard of this game, and this game had come out of pretty much nowhere. Um, And they were showing off what they were building, this Civil War game with this huge battlefield. Um, I really didn't understand what they were trying to say the game was about because it didn't explain it all that well, but it looked pretty damn good. And I first thought, oh, this is just total war, but civil war, and that's okay, I can deal with that. Um, then the game comes out, the first Take Command, and it's not like that at all. Um, it's really quite a unique and, uh, you're right, I mean, it captures, it says some really, it really tries to capture the feeling of command in the Civil War period. So my early members of Take Command 2 are like, I'm look, at was the first Take Command, I think, I want them to do this better, polish it up, you know, get rid of some of the bugs, and it's gonna be a really, really great game. Um, and Take Command 2, uh, Second Manassas, comes out, and it is really, I think, until, you know, Scourge of Gettysburg, which is just really, really almost too huge. I think it's kind of the, one of the best Civil War games, I would think, uh, Civil War war games uh, ever made. Um, I think it has, uh, it's an interesting battlefield You have an interesting alignment of forces, and just the core design of the Take Command series, and I'm not sure what they're calling them now, the Scourge of War games, is something quite... There are very few games that do what these games try to do. We'll go over some of the things that make them special shortly, Um, but I I think that's hard to think of any specific memory beyond, you know, trying to, I guess... Here's one of my first games playing, you know, I'm just doing this little scouting party thing, moving my Union troops forward, some skirmishers trying to figure out where the enemy is. And then I start getting shot at, and then somebody comes to reinforce me, then someone reinforces them, and all of a sudden the skirmish turns into this huge battle. And that's something you don't get really in... um, Many games, the encounters evolve into something bigger and take on a larger tactical landscape um, that wasn't necessarily intended by the design.
2: Yeah, I think that's the, one of the biggest things about this, uh, this style of design or this kind of approach to design is that uh, you give people sort of limited information and then um, make them uh, give orders to troops and then have some uh, limited ability to change. Well, I mean, you can change the orders, but there's a delay. They don't always uh, do what you tell them, and that kind of uh, the kind of imprec- combination of imprecise command and limited intelligence and this time period does exactly what Troy describes. It, it, it causes an engagement to sort of uh, snowball into a big battle, and I think that was the um, that's sort of one of the characteristic features of. Uh, of of battles at this time, anywhere from you know the Napoleonic era through uh, through the Civil War, because of uh, you know your real uh, lim- limitations in intelligence and uh, sort of uh, you know battlefield uh, battlefield knowledge, and you don't really know where the enemy is. Your troops kind of march to where they hear the fighting is going on, and then these battles kind of es- escalate. So um yeah it's it's a it's a it's an effect that you can only get in a real-time game really and uh it's an effect that you can only get if there's some uh you know some imprecision uh in terms of the orders that you issue and the way that they're executed
0: you know when i compare it to um you know, Sid Meier's Gettysburg, because I mean, this shares a lot of the, the same traits as, as Sid Meier's Gettysburg. Um, I, I think Troy, you've, you've written that, that 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 Sid's Gettysburg is kind of a game all about um, how commanders use terrain, and, and you know, and. Gettysburg is a game where, you know, if you, you know, depending on where your troops are standing and everything, they basically get like added morale. Uh they, you know, they have a panic countdown timer depending on the uh, you know, quality of the unit. And then if they're standing on good ground, if they have support, uh, you know, they, they get they get extra um they get extra morale. And that's sort of, uh, you know, I, I sort of feel like that's kind of the the foundation for what's going on in, in Take Command, but w- what I find um, you know, Really exciting about about Take Command is that uh, you know with, with with Gettysburg in a lot of cases uh, the battles were, were sort of very quick hits you know it was sort of a self contained um, you know tactical puzzle and in Take Command what I find is that a lot of scenarios um, and this is both a strength and a weakness a, a lot of a lot of scenarios sort of You know, keep going. Uh, You know, sometimes even drag on. But what what I find so interesting is that you often start with with one sort of very clear problem. You know, clear clear a ridge. Uh, You know, take a tree line, take an objective, and. Then it keeps going, and the battle is sort of like shifting and evolving around you, and you're getting new objectives, and uh, it it becomes uh, it's a very disorienting game in a lot of ways because I think as as war gamers we're kind of conditioned to see, like you know it's almost like chess puzzles right like you know you sort of set the problem before us and we and we go after it uh, take command you know really gives you the sense of being at the center of this you know sort of shifting maelstrom and uh, it can be very surprising sometimes to look up from when you've been, where you've been like you know trying to figure out how to take a position and look around you and realize the entire battle has changed.
1: I mean one of the my favorite things about it I mean, not just how the battles evolve is how because I like playing not at the top level. I like playing like one level below that or two levels below that. And it's interesting to play a sub commander because you get your objectives and you get your orders and you realize, okay, I have my objectives, but buddy beside me is screwing up. Now I can save him. I can try to save him, but I might end up missing my objective. Might not be able to secure my objective. What do I do? How much initiative can I take? Now ta- Bruce is right. I mean, this really works. This pressure only makes sense in the real time, and that if this was a turn-based game, wouldn't have nearly the same. Um, Power. I mean, I think, th- th- think probably the closest thing you could th- I could think of would be m- maybe combat mission, which is kind of both turn-based and real-time because it right. has the delay in orders as well. Um, and we'll get into that I think in some detail later in the show. But the I, the fact that you ha- that as a sub commander, you have orders, but you also sometimes want to take initiative and. Sometimes you have to restrain that gamer impulse to try to fix everything. And you want to trust your commander sees what's going on, and he'll fix it. He'll send somebody up to block that hole. Um, so it's there's, a, there's a, some, some tension there. And there aren't a lot of games that have you play as not the boss. Or you're playing an underling. um, um It's, so it's, especially in a war where there's, you think of the great, the great huge war games, you know, some really amazing stuff like War in the East. I mean, you've controlled the entire Eastern theater and Hitler's not going to mess around with whatever you're doing. Um, And Zhukov's not going to be calling you back or sending you a different direction. Uh, But in Take Command uh, and Scourge of War, these things do happen. And it's, um, it was, it's just such an innovation uh, in war games, kind of, in many ways, kind of an, AI arbitrated German creekspiel type thing where you, know, you have a referee say okay now you got to do this how are you going to get there and you are just given your objectives and you have to figure out how how to get your troops there in time to affect the course of the battle
2: yeah and that's i mean the 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 key point there is that you can't give the player too much time to think about it because uh, if you if you turn it was uh, in in rob's words into one of these you know to into a puzzle um it it kind of loses that it loses its effect the the problem i have with as you were saying troy about you know you're tr- going to trust your uh you're going to trust your subordinate or not trust your subordinate trust your uh you know colleague uh commander to fix some problem that you notice in his sector um th- the problem is that you start thinking yeah you know how stupid is this computer and is the yep. computer going to figure this out and with with that kind of, of, of sort of um, of bias against, you, you just assume that the AI is screwing up. You never know whether this is because right. the the battle is going poorly and the, uh, the AI is going to address it or be, this is some bizarre bug that, you know, is developed because of the way the AI is approaching the battle and it's just going to get worse and worse. So what would be great would be to play the game or a game, any game like this, with multiple commanders with, you know, limited ability to communicate. Um but
0: um, but that's so basically, kind of upside, we need right? to get off our asses and finally do that uh thing we we do with scourge of war, uh where we play cooperatively and only use the courier system right
2: right that's exactly what we need, yes, we need to get off our asses that that should be one of our priorities <laughs> that
1: that should be a three major new motto, finally, yeah. up <laughs> off our asses,
0: yeah but yeah that that is actually a uh you know, easily, one of the limitations of the game is that when you're trying to sort of assess whether or not the AI's uh, whether or not the AI's got this. Well, I, you know, to be honest, I find the the AI actually very hard to assess in this game because it's so clearly uh, relying so much on scripting in many cases, mm-hmm. and so yeah, a, a yeah. lot of times you might have like a flank open up, and now you kind of have to question. You know, okay, is that is that supposed to happen? Like, is the AI programmed to send me a brigade to take position on my right, uh, or is this you know, you know, is this is this a mistake? And do I need to take care of it? And it, it, you always end up in a weird place where you kind of have to start, you know, where you start playing that guessing game about the the way the mission is supposed to work right. and the scripting, yep. but. I will say also, you know, I've played some scenarios uh, quite a few times, and I'm surprised how much variability there is in them, to to the point where sometimes I think maybe the game isn't quite as rigidly scripted a- a- as I sometimes think. And uh, a lot of times the, the AI uh, seems to do a, a roughly competent job, uh, you know, moving the ball down the field. Uh, the, the, the one frustrating thing, obviously, is sometimes it will... Um, You know, it will just basically deploy right over you. Uh, and and so suddenly your firing line is blocked by your own units, yeah. Uh, and and that's and that can be really really enraging uh, if you've if you finally got a good position, but uh, but I do find like those are often the moments where it's like okay, so basically that command now has responsibility for that sector, and clearly my efforts should be directed elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and usually that's the, that's kind of how the scenario you know is designed that the, the the battle is channeling me away uh, from something. I should perhaps be, you know, sort of going with that flow and uh, seeing what else I can do.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I think that part of the part of the problem with AI is actually, uh, or the problem part of part of the AI issue has is actually become historical simulation because there are so many cases in Civil War battles where uh, commanders did things uh, uh, that ended up being either mistakes or they changed the battle in some way. Uh, you know, that happened at Gettysburg, obviously. Uh, that happened at uh, Chickamauga, uh, where you know the the Union line uh, sort of got uh, got disrupted, and the uh, Confederates happened to you know basically walk right through it. Um, and so you know when things like that happen with the AI, I think it uh, it makes it makes it sort of a compelling Civil War story. And the thing that about these games, you know, I really grew up with the um, with, the uh, little hexes and chits and, and, uh, puzzle slash chess approach to wargaming. And, um, and I was actually kind of opposed to the, the Sid Meier's Gettysburg approach, uh, when it came out. I was kind of a, an early, uh, a naysayer, but, um, but the thing that it does and the thing that these kind of games do is just watching. I really like watching the battles and, um, the uh, you know as as things get uh, more and more photorealistic and uh, and uh, you know I, I went back and played uh, this game and it's a little it's a little um, it's kind of like watching Star Trek the original series uh, <laughs> <you're> like oh <laughs> like man like little styrofoam ships dangling by string yeah, yeah. You're like ha huh, yeah wow it, I really did you know did I really fall for this at one one time but. Um, but you know, and we could talk about it a little bit later. But um, the uh, Scourge of War Gettysburg and kind of the the I guess it's a new engine, uh, or it just it seems be- a little better to me. I just like watching the I like watching the battles and seeing how um, how they play out and watching the battle lines and you just, you can just do so much with this uh, this form of. Um, with this kind of engine, where you uh, you really put the detail into into the troops and the and the setting, and and uh, and uh, I think that's not a that's not an un um, that's that's not an unimportant part of why this game and these kinds of games are compelling. And I think that um, I'm I'm surprised that this kind of thing hasn't caught on more. Uh, especially for well, I guess the Total War series, but they're the only people doing it, right? I mean, there were the Breakaway games uh, did it with um, Austerlitz and Waterloo. Those those engines just kind of didn't work at all. Um, I felt they were just too clunky. Um, but uh, I'm surprised that people, you know, good programmers and good uh, artists aren't aren't uh, attacking this this um, more frequently.
1: I mean, even. And Wargamers as well. I mean, I'm not sure how well these games have done commercially. I mean, this, I mean, Wargames in general don't do all that well commercially. But, I mean, these aren't the types of games that you go on to a lot of, go on to places like Wargamer or uh, wherever Wargamers meet and hear a lot of people talking about them. They'd rather talk about, you know, they would even rather talk about things like Total War or of course War in the East and other traditional chit type games. But something like this, i never really felt there was a big buzz about it, which always struck me as a little bit bizarre.
2: Yeah, it strikes um, me as completely bizarre because it it, it it plays into everybody's uh you know, what's the most what's one of the most popular things at any war game convention? A really, really well done Napoleonics or Ancients or something miniatures game. Yeah. Everybody wants yep. to see the brightly painted or just well well done, you know, diorama with you know uh, with the really cool miniatures, and uh, you know even P- 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 people walk by and go, wow, you know, I wish I I wish I could do something like that, and then they walk away and go play uh, you know Turning Point Stalingrad or something. But uh, but I mean everybody, I, I feel that, that all war gamers have some innate affinity for this kind of presentation, and that's yep. the thing that really. St- Baffles me. And why why aren't there more of these games? I mean a really really well done historically accurate um, you know hardcore Napoleonic war game done in this manner I think would be a, would be a great uh, would would be a great um, I don't know if it'd be a great seller it would be a great game uh, you know uh, the Grognards a uh, hist war right um, that's uh, I don't know how well that's doing. Uh, I think it's a little too ambitious, but uh, just you know, just make a game about a battle that's well researched. Uh, that's what Kevin Zucker should be doing. Uh, of Operational Studies Group (OSG), Kevin Zucker is a uh, a uh, designer for uh, wor- worked for Avalon Hill. Uh, now works for you know has had his own company for a long time. Tremendous Napoleonic uh, war game designer. I don't understand why he's not. Uh, teaming up with a really good artist and some programmers and making a and just a knockout Napoleonic uh, 3D real-time game.
0: I, I I wonder if if part of that is just this feeling that um and and, and, if, and if this is a feeling I think it's I think it's incorrect uh, a suspicion that that you're somehow competing with Total War and, and to be fair like Total War gets an insane amount of attention uh, even unlike like forums like. Like uh, wargamer. Uh, I remember that you know Total War was always more talked about, and more highly anticipated than a lot of uh, you know more, more serious war games.
2: It's because it looks good.
0: Well, exactly, exactly, and and I and I and I, and I, and I suspect that I I, I fear that uh, there's a hesitancy to make a game like this because it looks like a really crummy, terrible version of of Total War, and there's just not. Uh, you know, I, I, sometimes it seems like, like like art in general and art and animation in general are kind of shortchanged in in the wargaming space. Mm-hmm. And so there, there might just be a hesitancy to sort of go into the you know three D battlefield, commanding you know massed armies of troops because, you know, all you're going to, you're you know you're going to get compared to a triple A strategy game, uh, and it's not going to be a good comparison, even if you're doing something completely different.
2: Yeah. I wonder what, I mean, it'd be great to get, we need to get somebody on the show and uh, talk about the or the resources that are uh, required to produce a, a you know, a good looking uh, 3D Battlefield engine uh, of this sort. Uh, maybe, I mean, may, maybe somebody needs to do a Kickstarter and ask for a lot of money. Uh, but uh, I, I really wonder how much that costs, because if that's the, I agree that if you do it and it looks bad, you're going to get points taken off no matter what no matter how accurate it is or how you know how great the engine is in in terms of simulation you're always going to get points deducted because it looks crappy and and you know if i you know i understand that i mean i don't want to i don't necessarily want to sit around and play a game that looks crappy if i don't have to um
0: but i don't know there's so taking taking this game you know a, as an example and you you say a lot of the same things about about scourge of war scourge of war i think is using a more advanced engine but not that much more advanced they're still they're still sprite based but yeah. so just yeah. just take this game and i look at it and i don't think it looks bad oh i mean it's clearly using you know it's clearly a sprite based game you know, it's it's you know it's clearly like the lighting is very flat. Uh, it, you know, there's not there's not a lot of um, you know rich like you know not a lot of rich texture detail. Mm-hmm. Uh, the skybox is basically like you know a <laughs> like a drop cloth hung in the background. Right. Uh, but but that aside though, like one you know once you, once you're actually engaged, like you know how does it look? Well, it does a pretty good job of communicating. Uh, you know really important things like you know what your units are up to and and how heavily they're engaged and and uh, you know where they're facing but I, I think it really you know in the height of battle you know you're, you're looking at it from kind of a distance and you're you know you, you know you wouldn't have a chance to sort of relish uh, you know a, a ton of visual detail and I think sort of looking at it from sort of the commander's eye view where you're sort of like looking over the battlefield you know you know again it's not going it, it's 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 not a it's not a very good-looking game, but I think the graphics are, are the graphics are more than reasonable, uh, especially for you know sort of the payoff you get, uh, which is you know really a, really a sense of, of scale and dynamism that that I think you know honestly dwarfs uh, you know anything I you know I still see in see in an average total war game.
2: Mm-hmm. So talk a little bit about uh, you know how I mean, Rob. You are not a war gamer. You wouldn't call yourself a war gamer, would you? Not, not much of one, no. Okay, so what is it about, I mean, you're not going to sit down and, and uh, automatically give a war game, you know, you're not necessarily going to say, oh, this is a war game, so I'm, I'm, in, I'm kind of inclined to like it right off the bat. Why, why did Take Command, uh, why did this series take, make such
0: an impression on you? Uh, well, so, so I should say, I, you know, I'm actually, I, I, I'm actually predisposed to want to like war games. Okay. Uh, but, but, but don't, Why don't you then? Uh, in part because I, I do feel like a lot of times I end up, uh, you know, treading over really well-known territory. Um, you know, just to, you know, just an example. There was a um, there was a wargame you recommended to us uh, recently, uh, Awakening the Bear. Yeah. Um, which is I conflict believe, of heroes. Right, right, right. And uh, uh, yeah,
2: Julian's favorite game.
0: I've never heard him talk about it.
2: He
1: loves oh, it that much. It's a secret love.
0: It's yeah. a secret love. Dare not speak its name. No, he loves the board game version. Oh, okay. Well, I haven't played the board game version, but but I was playing, you know, I was playing the um, I, I was I was I was playing the I was playing the uh, you know, the computer game on your recommendation, and it was fine, you know, it was fine. But I just found it, you know, in, entirely unengaging, because I I do feel like you know at, at a squad level, like there's only so many times where I can move little hexes around, move little chits around hexes and set up like you know, okay, so set up base of fire, and then these other guys are gonna move up and okay, you know, I get a little I. I I feel like I've played that game many times. In many ways, I feel like I'm playing. Um, I'm having a similar experience to what I had in Steel Panthers, you know, many many years ago. And yeah. and, and somehow it's less engaging. Why isn't? Uh, well, and I, I think this is the real root of why I'm not a, a real war gamer. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, I want. I want things that are evocative of what I love about military history. And if, if it's not really, if, if it doesn't evoke something, if it doesn't sort of give me that feeling of presence or understanding of something, then, then I'm not going to be as engaged. Uh, and, and so Steel Panthers, you know, did a great job of sort of creating the, you know, for, for, the, for its time, you know, creating the, like, incredible sensory overload intensity of sort of a World War II battlefield. Uh, right. I mean, I don't even remember, but the the sound effects alone uh, yeah. were, were just stunning. So, but a game like Take Command, then, for instance, um, you know, what was he said, Troy? It was a uh, a sort of S- like Sid Meier, Kriegspiel type game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so you know, a game like Take Command uh, is is a game that is actually about you know, sort of struggling with the limitations of uh, warfare and command and control in this era- in this period and so playing this game it's like it's not like i'm just playing you know a a bog standard civil war game where it's like you know can you take cemetery ridge who gives a damn what i find fascinating is that i you know i'm I'm set down there and i'm not given i'm not given a well-defined not given a well-defined uh goal it's more you know be a brigade commander be a division commander make judgments you won't know the answer you might screw up you might be caught out Mm -hmm. uh and at the end of that scenario I sort of have like this aha moment where it's like oh so that makes that makes a lot of things suddenly make sense because I think you know if you read a lot of military history there's a lot of uh, Monday morning quarterbacking all the time you know this guy's a terrible commander why didn't he do this the obvious maneuver was to do this but take command is one of those games that actually sort of puts you right back in the chaos and reminds you um, just how little a commander in this period actually knew about what the hell was going on
2: yeah and and it's uh it, it it makes you feel like uh when you make decisions it's not part of a. I i mean i i think the um the thing that that uh, i enjoyed uh about the game you mentioned uh, awakening the bear is that it just reminded me of so many times of of the kind of game that i grew up with which was figure out the answer to this puzzle about how many factors i'm going to need to get the Right probability of disrupting that unit so that that unit can't uh, disrupt my move of this third unit to that position that will then allow me to encircle some fourth unit. So that kind of puzzle is uh, I-, I inherently enjoy that and I like that kind of uh, I like that kind of presentation. But yeah, um, there's a there's a different kind of puzzle which is hey, here's this thing you have to do, and you're not quite sure what's going to happen when you do it, and the way that you do it is going to affect another objective that you're going to get, but you don't know what that objective is yet.
0: Well, and and sometimes the the objectives uh, are basically, you know, they're fake. That they, You know, it's, it's, it's pulling a little, like, false flag operation right. on you. Right, yeah. Uh, so, so there's a scenario early in Take Command where uh, you are in control of the Iron Brigade. Uh, you are General Gibbon. And you're just sort of doing, you're just marching along a road. You're marching along a road on a hot summer day. And uh, suddenly you see, you know, some Confederates deployed north of the road uh, along a ridge. And they're starting to, you know, like harass you as as your column marches past. And you get an order, you know, deploy for assault, drive that battery off the ridge. So you do that. And just as you're getting in position to sort of cross this creek and head to this ridge, uh, what you realize is that you've got Stonewall Jackson's entire uh, core right in front of you. And they're sort of pouring down this ridge now. And suddenly, that that earlier objective is completely irrelevant. And now you're in a a battle for your life. And uh, what's cool is that that, that that first objective was just a bait. You know, it's the sort of command it's it's the sort of objective that a commander in that time would get where it's like, we think we're in a skirmish, this is the situation right now. And you make judgments based on that, and then the rug gets completely yanked out from under you, and uh you find yourself uh you know, fight, fighting a completely different sort of battle.
2: Right. The only problem with that is that it only works once.
0: Sort of I was going to ask you guys about that. Um,
1: well, sort of sort of doesn't, because if you dally get into an objective, by the time you get there, either Either your friends may have already taken care of the enemy, or they may have gone to the objective before you, or you might get there and realize the battle's someplace else, or I am all by myself here. And it's an, I mean, be an idiot to take this objective. And there's the, the because the battle does evolve in a larger, in a larger campaign game, in the larger big games. I mean, yeah, the, 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 that scripting moment, yeah, that, that's only going to happen once. That's scripted. and It's a great feeling, and yeah, you're ready for it the next time. But that same sort of feeling can happen once you understand that the battles do evolve, uh, that they do change, um, that they don't always stick to the script. Uh, especially in the, in the in the larger ones, some of the smaller ones, of course, because there's a limited number of units engaged, you're not going to have that much trouble. But as things start to get into the division level, you realize you start realizing just how first, how important your objectives are, how you need to get to them, and how, if you don't get there, you better have a backup plan. Um, and so I. Yeah, I mean, you're right, Bruce. That, that that sort of trick will only work once. But I think that sort of feeling um, is there a few times. I realize, holy crap, I was sent on the wrong mission. And the general might not know this. Casino might not know where the troops are. You do have the delay in orders where when he may have sent me that order, he, he may have been looking at something completely different. Um, so th- And so the order made sense 30 minutes ago. Right. Um, so I, I think, yeah, you, you, there, you have to be aware of the scripting, but you also have to, you know, there is a lot of dynamic generated drama um, in the way that things unfold.
0: And I, I don't know when when there's when there's an objective that's sort of false and based on incorrect information, it's it's scripted and it's going to go away and. Um, I do find though when I, when I replay the scenarios I'm still inclined to I'm not going to be surprised by it, but I'm still inclined to play it roughly straight where I still like I will still deploy my unit uh, roughly where I would begin to marshal for an assault on that objective even though I know it's never going to happen uh, you know in in part because I kind of you know I kind of want to um, I want to play along you know i I, I sort of want to uh, you know I don't want to break the drama of it. And also in part because in a lot of cases the the whole structure of the scenario sort of depends on uh, you following these orders you're given, and if you start trying to like get ahead of it and you know camp on a position, you can throw other things off. You can you can sort of screw things up uh, if you you know if you sort of start trying to um, you know anticipate it.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that's I think that's one of the strengths of the take command games is that there is a lot of sort of, uh, chaos to the whole... I mean, the scenarios are pretty good in the sense that a lot of different things can happen. I mean, I've played the scenarios different times. Um, I mean, it's been a while since I really played a lot of the game, but I have played, uh... Uh, the scenarios, different times, and noticed. I think uh, Troy mentioned that earlier in the in the podcast that things can go very different ways uh, based on what you do and just kind of small differences in what you do. Um, but I think that you know that that initial surprise of oh my gosh, you know this is com- this is completely not uh, not what I thought it was kind of only works once. But that only works with I mean in a game one time anyway. I mean it only works in a you know some kind of scripted quest in some role playing game it only works one time anyway. So right. So I I get it. I I just think that um, uh you know the the all the all the wonder in in that uh needs to be presented well the first time because that's the that's their best chance to make an uh, make an impression. I think a game does make a good impression in general that with that.
0: No, I I agree. I think it it absolutely does. Um, again, in part because you're you're dealing with um. You know, because the 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 battles are are so sprawling, and this is this is something else. Uh, you know, when you, when you compare it to, uh, say, total war games, for instance, well,
2: compared to Sid Meier's Gettysburg, I mean, where
0: the battles weren't sprawling at all. Right, they're very they're very they're very contained on small little patches of turf.
2: Which is, I think, one of the biggest. I mean, it's a big strength and a giant drawback to that game. Cause, I mean, you can't play the you can't play the Battle of Gettysburg in Sid Meier's yep. Gettysburg.
1: Yeah, you just do little parts of it, right? Separated from everything else, so which works great for focusing your attention. But and if you saw that how they did it at Sid Meier's Antietam, I think that maybe they were made actually the right call because I'm like, that's really damn big,
2: yeah. Uh, oh, no, I, I yeah. agree. I mean, I said that's why yep. I said it's one of the big strengths because right. it yep. sort of it sort of it sort of um uh it sort of disguises the fact that that's a big weakness to that engine, uh, yep. the um. Uh, I think the Waterloo uh, game, the breakaway games, did tried to do exactly that. And it just, I mean, it completely breaks down um, at, at a certain level and you just can't watch any, and you're trying to watch everything. You need to watch everything. That's the problem. If the game forces you to watch everything to play it well, then it will fail because you can't. Right.
0: The, the sweet spot is a recurring problem in, in war game design in general in that it does seem like you know, if, if for if for a lot of games, like they they are they are built to, they are built to handle conflict at a certain level, and then there are always those cases where it's trying to stretch itself, either it's trying to get too far down in de- detail or or too high up. Like, you know, I think you know, take command falls into this this problem as well, where uh, there are a couple scenarios where you are basically trying to manage, uh, you know, either the entire uh, Union Army of Virginia or the entire. Um, or the entire army of Northern Virginia, uh, the, the Confederates. And in, in both those cases, you know, what, what worked really incredibly well when you were just a division commander, you know, with like, you know, three brigades under your command, or when you were, you know, even when you were a corps commander and you had a small corps, you know, with a couple divisions and then, you know, uh, subordinate brigades, you know, what worked really well there, when you're commanding the entire army, uh, suddenly... Suddenly, what felt really authentic and natural at a lower level becomes really kind of becomes really strained, awkward, and uh, really sort of uh, smacks of artifice uh, when you're playing it at that at that highest level.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: Well, I mean, I think every every game system has a uh, has a perfect scale at which it plays. Um, but, uh, I mean, I think that one of the problems with, uh, with that is that you have to give the player enough things to do. I mean, uh, if you're, uh, you know, if you're a Napoleonic division commander, you're basically getting, uh, uh, you know, you're basically getting orders from your, uh, you know, from your core and then your, uh, troops do things and then you kind of lose cohesion. There's not really much, you know, you point them and put them in, in a formation and then your next decision is when to disengage. Um, so you can't really play a game like that even though uh, um, the engine probably is best suited, the, the graphically the engine is best suited for that that scale. So you have to decide, you know, are there enough things for the, for the player to do and uh, you have to raise the scale to the point where uh, you finally get enough things to do but then the scale at which you have enough things to do may not correspond with uh, the presentation. So, I mean, those two things, I think, are often disconnected in war games. C- combat mission is uh, is an example, I think, where, where things work really well um, just because of the tanks. Um, because it doesn't, it doesn't matter how much or little you have to do. You, if you get to watch a tank in a tank versus tank duel, that makes everything worthwhile. Uh, so... Um, you know the fact that you order a tank to creep around and shoot other tanks, and then you get to watch it. Uh, you know, get a get in a battle like a Persian getting in, a, in a, a gun duel with a with a uh, with a tiger. That's kind of neat. Um, but in the Civil War, just you know, watching guys shoot and then reload and shoot gets old.
0: I don't know. I, I... I feel like we're we're almost in like fact things that are unique to Bruce Garrick uh, territory there. Really uh, is
1: okay. I don't know about that. I mean, I mean, yeah, I I, I think you know watching guys line up and shoot's great and fun for a while. But I think there is other stuff going on in tank Command that do make it work at the core level. Okay. Yes, you, I think that's because I think that because you have the other color. I mean, like tank what? versus tank. I think you know the. Uh, It's simple things like the smoke, Um, the the effect of the smoke, and watching that, and trying to get your line of sight, get your line of sight going, making sure you can get that first shot off, keeping your line straight, um, getting the right angle. I mean, it's actually can be quite a nice little dance, Um, and that's you know not might not be as much fun as two heavyweights slugging it out in in the Russian step, but it's actually can be quite an, you can, have, if you can make, if troop management is an important part of the corps commander's job, then actually, you know, you make the troop management interesting. You do things like have couriers, you do things like make your line of sights important, uh, the effect of the color, the uniforms, making sure everything looks the right color, which is, which is why a Scourge of War, I think, was such a great, Gettysburg really stands out, because it got all the uniforms down like perfect. I, for people who like that sort of, not people like that sort of, we'll fall into cliches here. If you're into the Civil War, you're going to find this sort of stuff, this corps commander stuff, very fascinating, um, much more than you would a couple of tanks. even if you're, you're pointing your gun and you're shooting if it's just a tank. Now, of course, but it's not just that, because if you're in an urban environment, what if there are hills? What if there's the issue of speed and there's the issue of angle? For a lot of for the uninitiated, a tank battle is just a, couple of hunks of metal, hurling other hunks of metal at each other. But when you understand what's going on, it actually does become a fascinating little bit of a battle. But I think you get the same thing uh, at the Civil War level, at the core level. But that's where, that's just a, a Troy thing. I like things my that guys are for, unique, I that like are unique guy, to Troy Goodfellow. Yes, of course. I prefer swords and spears. But
0: Yeah, and see, uh, and see, I uh, uh, Honestly, and, and see, arranging, like, firing lines is, like, my idea of a wargaming good time. Uh, because that dance you're describing, Troy, uh, of sort of, like, you know, adjusting your position and, like, you know, changing the angle on your lines and, try, and trying to get a better firing angle on someone else. all these little minute adjustments you make. Oh, I'm in heaven. I'm just in absolute heaven. There's never a moment where I'm, like just watching guys lined up and shoot because i'm always trying to get that one regiment around the flank or you know somebody's getting a little bit exposed or needs to cycle back for ammo no there, there there there's tons to do and this you know and this is you know that that's that's my wargaming heaven uh, whereas you know and i have talked about this before on the show Where my problem with tanks is you know it's like you got you know two heavyweights lining up and then way too often it's a first round knockout you know somebody sees somebody else Boom! Straight through the armor, it's over. And uh,
2: yeah, but that's a, that's a that's more of a, a modern issue than a World War II issue. You had plenty of deflections and dud rounds and shattered rounds and. and,
0: and not if World you're War. playing. Not if you're playing on the Western Front, my friend.
2: Well, that's it. That yeah. If you there have, have oh, Panthers firing exploded. on Shermans, yeah, then they're, Yeah, well, any Sh- Shermans are going to blow up in general, but.
0: Uh, yeah. But. But but no so but but I hear what you're saying it's it's interesting honestly to um basically to hear our hear our favorite dishes uh for for our wargaming uh you know on our wargaming menu um but I I kind of wanted to ask you why does you know why does the no not so much why does the experience break down but why is it so hard to make a game where you are Uh, a Robert E. Lee or a Napoleon fighting, you know, an Austerlitz or a Gettysburg Um, as opposed to a game, like, you know, you have the same game, about the same battle and, you know, if you're you're playing uh, you know, Richard Yule or um oh my god, I'm blanking on the names of napoleon's marshals i don't want to go to nay because it's always nay but what the hell uh so you know if you're if you're playing if you're playing like one of one of napoleon's subordinates the game is fine what is is different about what is different about the task of command at that level and and i'm you know just just to get speculative here how do you make how do you make a good war game about about that that high command level
2: i'm sorry how do you make a good war game about playing well, at the core well, you, you, at, the, at the core level or the at the at the, uh, the at the army level.
1: Well, you you mean one that's built like this because there are lots of good war games about where you yeah. are Napoleon <laughs> controlling the battle, but it's not like this. It's well, a battle you got, where you have complete total information. Um, right.
2: Well, the the battles about controlling about Napoleon or games about Napoleon controlling the whole battle. I mean, you're not really playing as Napoleon because Napoleon no. couldn't see everything, right? I mean, you could right. play all those games right. where um, you know you're uh, you're controlling you right. know core or you're, you're Napoleon you're controlling core and it's an operational level game uh, you you sort of see everything that your troops are doing and it's not uh, uh, it doesn't really correspond to what the situation was uh, you know for a real commander no. but that I mean that's the no. case with I mean it's the case with any war game right I think no. the problem that yep. you have with translating that into uh that kind of level into this um, into this format is that if you're gonna if you want to show a 3D representation of every soldier, the game is too big. Yeah, the battle is too big. The battle is too big for the game. It's always going to be like that, uh, unless you uh, unless you slow it down or unless you turn it into combat mission. I think you could do this. I think you could do this as a combat mission type game, uh, where you everybody issued orders. And then you, uh, you know, hit go and it played out some predetermined uh, length of the time.
0: But even combat mission, I feel like, you know, it's not that it's not that the game was necessarily too big to play, but it was too big to be good. Uh, be, because what, was? what you end up with is just you know you're you're giving orders to like fifty units to you know advance to you know advance into a uh, you know in, into some woods uh, as opposed to five units uh, in in a smaller scenario but it's just it, at, at a certain level even in combat mission I feel like you, you just ended up sort of with a ton of wargaming uh, make work
2: well no because I mean I disagree with you there because I think that you could do the battle I think it would be interesting to do uh, the battle of Gettysburg in a 3d give orders kind of way. Uh, and, uh, I mean, you might even just give the orders. You might not even be able to give orders to individual, uh, you know, regiments. You'd have to stop at the division or something like that. Um, but then you can show the players the effects at the, at the, you know, at the regimental level or something. um, I mean you can you can always take away some control the interesting thing about civil war battles is the combination between uh you know the various sort of geographic uh divisions in the battle right i mean little round top mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. you know devil's den the you know th- these 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 localities where uh you know interesting things take place and their uh their effect on the sort of the you know the geometry of the battlefield right you see you know a flank being pushed or a uh, or a um, uh, or a you know a line broken and then the 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 center you know just kind of crumbling and then the 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 battle uh, Chickamauga is a great example of that where the you know the whole Union uh, uh, the whole Union front basically uh, disintegrates and and they retreat and have to reform uh, you know a line. Uh, in a completely different part of the battlefield. And, uh, you know, that happens because of an, an event in a very specific part of the line in the early battle. But, um, you know, the, the problem happens when you, uh, when these individual things lead to a change in the battle and you didn't get to control that individual thing, right? You, it sort of, it feels like it's out of your control and you're, uh, uh, you're just kind of reacting to something that the game engine's doing and you're not really playing the game. Um, but, uh, I think if you can solve that problem, uh, I think that this kind of, this kind of method of, uh, of, um, of representing a battle works great for, for, uh, for this period. And I think you can do it. I think you, if you just give people enough time, now that, that, of course, that takes away the, uh, that takes away the, uh, the pacing and the, um, the uh, oh my gosh, what what just happened? I have to address this right now. Real time pressure, but uh, I, I think you I think you could do it. Uh, I think the market unfortunately is so small that you'd have to uh, you'd have to uh, do a Kickstarter for guaranteed revenue, uh, and uh, and make a game like this. But I, I I think it would work.
0: Troy, do you remember? A little while back, well, actually, I think a little while. My sense of time is terrible. It was probably like a year ago, year and a half ago. Tim Stone did a uh, piece on some Napoleonic's game, some ancient, ancient uh, Napoleonic's game. Um, like it looked like Amiga or Commodore type graphics. Do you do you remember this piece? Uh, where, where basically it's a war game. I, I think kind of from that high command level, where uh, you, you are. Just giving orders through subordinates through a um, through a command interface where you know basically you're, tell- you're you're instructing the AI what to do based on some like some preset statements and you're sort of assembling your orders from like you know it's like um, almost like cutting letters out of a magazine and uh, you know as- assembling your orders like that uh, do, you remember, do you remember the game I'm talking about?
1: I have no idea what you're talking about
0: oh my God this is going to drive me crazy Bruce does that ring a bell
2: uh, Not in any way.
0: All right, I've gotta look that up, but so he 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 was on a wargaming kick. Uh, I think last year, and he covered. Tim Stone's
2: always on a wargaming kick. He's a wargame writer.
0: It was a particularly strong wargaming kick, though. He was doing lots of uh, detailed after-action reports on classic wargames, games, and uh, rather than sort of the general uh, survey roundup stuff that uh, okay. he he tends to do. But so this was a game where uh, basically you. you have very little control over the battle, except through telling, you, you, know, you're, you, you know, if you're Napoleon, you're basically telling your marshals, uh, you know, support, you know, you support so-and-so, and so-and-so has the order to attack, and then a, you know, a landmark on the battlefield or something. And, uh, and then the AI commanders are sending back reports to you that you have to react to and decide whether or not you're going to adjust your plans. And, uh, you know, in some ways it, it is sort of like a proto TIC command uh, you know, interface, except that take command really doesn't explore whether or not you can control um, AI generals that way. Uh, which is, I think, unfortunate. Again, it'd be it'd be fascinating to see, uh, but 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 I but I do love that idea of being in a position where you have no recourse but to rely on AI subordinate commanders. Take command almost gets you there because uh, you know you kind of have to watch them to like guard your flanks and, and you know you know basically t- to watch your back. Um, okay. But
1: I fa- I found the article you were talking about.
0: Good God! You—that is some Google foo.
1: I am—I am amazing at Google.
0: What did you? What did, What was your? What was your search?
1: I went to—I uh, just did Tim Stone War Games. to take me. Took me to of course RPS, and then I found his heavily, heavily engaged series he wrote in 2011. Yes. So this was Waterloo.
2: In what? 2007.
1: 2011. 2011. Oh, okay. 2011. <laughs> this is—it's a game called Waterloo. Pierre Turcan. Hmm. Peter Turkin, Peter Turkin. I'll put the link in the uh, at
0: the bottom of the podcast. Yeah, but you know, no so so everyone also should also
1: in the also in the Skype window. Hm. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no cuz everyone should read this cuz it's um
1: Yeah, but it, it's a hideous game.
0: Oh, it's oh, it just it looks it's it's fucking appalling. <laughs> it's just like it, oh my god, it, it it's it's like a color explosion on building blocks. Oh hmm. my god, it's awful. But yeah, so if you know, we can take a minute to glance over this.
1: Yeah, it's something.
0: All
2: right, we're gonna, I'm gonna gonna break out of, uh, we'll have to edit this out.
0: One so way to, to re- return to the show, so, so yeah, okay. so Tim Stone yes. wrote a thing about uh, a, a game called Waterloo, and you 're sort of playing it from the army levels you're, you're, you, you are you, know, you are Napoleon basically, and you are trying to manage a battle uh, it 's a turn based game you 're trying to manage a battle uh, sort of through the same sort of like command system with all its limitations that um you know, a commander at the time would have had, and so there's the section where he's he's creating his plan of assault for for an enemy an enemy occupied ridge and town, and so here are the orders he's giving to um to AI commanders. He, you know, he's saying like Darlan, form an attack line from La Belle, linking with Riel to the east flank. Uh, Kellerman, give support to Riel. Milhaud, give support to Darlan. Lobau, move to Pospull, and it and so. It's also factoring in things like couriers can be killed, orders can go astray. Uh, there's a delay between when you send the orders out and when they start, you know, going into action. But what what I find, uh, you know, so intoxicating there is, is just this notion that, um, you know, so, to sort of get at the the problem facing commanders in that position is that you really have no direct control. All you can do is operate through these subordinates and hope that. You know they're they're doing roughly what you want them to do, and that their judgment is good, um, and, and that uh, that I think is something that I, I would I would love to see you know in more war games. That's that's often what's missing because honestly I'm kind of bored by games where at the highest level you're just this omnipotent uh, all-seeing eye uh, commanding his forces. I, I've played that game before. Um, and I think it's sort of... A lot of the challenges aren't necessarily interesting. This sort of game I find fascinating.
2: Yeah, I mean, and I think that you could... Uh, um, the the key to this now, to make this work now, you'd, you'd, once again, you'd have to have a really good uh, graphics engine. I mean, I think it would... It would, uh, uh, it would come up against a, lot, a whole bunch of new problems uh, that didn't exist at that time, which is that um, people would just... People always want to control more, and they don't like abstraction. Now, you'd have to really sell the fact that, you know, you're giving these orders, and you can't go in and find out how many, you know, soldiers were killed in, you know, the 5th Division. Uh, You just have to sort of get your information. But I I think, yeah, you could do it. You'd have to have a really good, uh, you have to have a good graphics engine, then a good interface for easily getting that information to you and interacting with your, you know, with your A.I., uh, Sub commanders, but I, I agree with you. I have no, I have no, uh, I have no uh, objection to uh, to your premise. Although, except the, for the premise that you know, I've played that game before. You know, I'll 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 play a lot of games I've played before.
0: No, that, that that's true. I don't want to say like like I'm dismissing all games that are like that. Like I'm I'm demanding novelty necessarily, but I do find that you know, again, going back to sort of what what I find most exciting in a war game. I, I, I love this idea of sort of trying to make uh, history come to life. And I do think that trying to adopt these sort of more realistic approaches uh, where, where you have to sort of wrestle with realistic like limitations that existed at the time. Uh, I, I think that has a lot of potential. And, and sad to say, I, I think it tends to be an overlooked uh, approach in, in wargame design. Um Again, I, I, you know, I think Panther Games ha, has made World War Two games that are they're sort of trying to recapture the same sense of, um, you know, uh, of limitations and and disabilities in uh, yeah, in that's, command. That's a great mm-hmm.
2: point. The problem with Panther Games is that in order to do what they're doing, they have to use the um, the rep, the representational system, I and mean, you couldn't do a uh, you couldn't do a sort of "Quote realistic end quote uh, representation of those battles because they're just too big, and uh, it would l- it would look funny, uh, and you'd get you'd basically be getting too much information, and you couldn't inter- you couldn't interact with the whole battle as easily as you can now, where you just have you know military symbols and it's really a planning map. I mean you're fighting on a planning map.
0: Well, maybe though." I mean I mean how like look, look at the indie movement. people will play things that have all sorts of different aesthetics. maybe we're getting too hung up on like a, a really literal representation uh, of warfare, whereas you know I kind of wonder like like troy I mean like if if, if you like if, if it was sort of a war game that had more of an aesthetic of like uh, you know something you'd find as really lavish tabletop at a at a uh, you know wargaming convention with with you know with some abstraction and, and yet a nice aesthetic i mean w- would that be would that be an obstacle of any kind
1: oh well not for me but it so much depends on the presentation because abstraction's hard it's hard to make interesting uh, it's hard to make uh dynamic it's hard to make exciting. I mean, I've played so many good games with so many different looks. I mean, Unity of Command, there's a beautiful-looking game, completely abstract, excellent, excellent aesthetics all the way through, In um, damn hard, one of my favorite war games of the last 10 years. Um, but you get... And you could probably do that with Civil War or with Napoleon, um, but World War II is different. World War II is large scale. World War II is more popular. It has bigger battles. It has more equipment. Um, it has all kinds of really big epic feel to it because it's a relatively recent history and it's made our world what it is today. So I think you can maybe get away with some things um, in experimentation in World War II uh, graphics. Or you could do an air battle where it's like pushing the planes around one of those big boards in the Battle of Britain. You could probably do that and have it sell very well, because it harkens back to something. Um, and, you know, in the po- Napoleonic battles have been done in many, many different ways, from um from the Waterloo Austerlitz stuff and you look at even board games. You have you have miniatures, you have the blocks from Battle at Marengo, and you have traditional chits. I mean there's all kinds of variety out there and those you could have some very good games. So I don't think it's necessarily going to be a bad sell because but abstract but in big Civil War battles look interesting. You can't just have you can't just have a block with an X through it. I mean you you can if you want the the, the war gamers, but Maybe, if you want to yes. have
2: Play, play the uh, John Tiller series.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you want, if you want to do, do a traditional war game, you can absolutely, absolutely do that. But if you want to get the feel for the commander and you want yeah. to get the feel of the loss and the feel of where my courier is going, you need to have good information feedback. Um, you, and what Take Command has, it is the courier leaving you, riding mm-hmm. away, and yep. then he rides back and you're sitting there waiting for that damn horse to come back.
0: And sometimes you just see him getting so can, just completely wasted by enemy fire.
1: And some Yeah, and sometimes he dies. Yeah. Um, but you, to do that with you know just traditional NATO iconography, um, I think yeah. you would have to, you would have to that adds another layer you have to, to put into the game to, visu- to visualize representationally. You can't have a clock because you don't want to have timing the courier come back and forth, and it just becomes another time mechanic. You're gaming and engineering, and that takes you out of this so-called realism um, you want to have. So I think in, in some ways. I'm not asking for photorealism. I'm certainly not asking for total war-level graphics, and I think you can do it abstractly. But you would have to find ways around all this other abstraction. Um, And I'm not saying it can't be done. There are lots of brilliant artists out there, and some I, I hear there are brilliant UI people. I have yet to meet more than a I have yet to meet more than a handful in strategy gaming, but I'm sure there are more than that. Um, that would have to deal with that. I mean, this is I, I'd be all for it. I mean, I, I would play that game absolutely. I mean, I love to Take Command. I would love to play uh, a game that puts me at you know Austerlitz or at Waterloo or at Borodino um, or even you know. A, Crimean War, you know, the charge of the Light Brigade. In real war games, the charge of the Light Brigade is you sending a bunch of idiots to their death to delay an attack. In real life, it was a miscommunication that got screwed up. Um, Ended up winning the battle anyway, but you know, you get the poem because it's 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 an error, because the Orders got through incorrectly or were garbled. Um, that's That would be nice to have. I mean, I'm mean, i all for sometimes the player's seeding control. You don't want to take away all control. They should always feel like they should be able to change the direction of things. But I mean, as I wrote, as Take Command shows, and as Crusader Kings 2 shows, you know, sometimes... Throwing a little bit of chaos into the system is what makes the game come alive in a special way because you're always reacting to things and you have to f- try to fix them and you give them the tools to fix them. Um, but things are being thrown into the, into the spanner, um, and I, I'm, I'm all for that to an extent. You, so, can't, you can't make it all you can't make it all random. I'm not I'm not encouraging randomness, but I am encouraging you know some sort of chaos.
2: Yeah. Well, speaking of chaos, we should uh, tell people now that we've talked about. Um the Take Command series. We should tell them about what uh, what's what's the latest stuff going on with the Take Command series.
0: Well, I mean, it effectively, doesn't exist. Uh, it's sort of been supplanted by the Scourge of War series. Exactly. Um, so you've got Scourge of War, Gettysburg, and I believe that uh, Norb Norbsoft Dev uh, is. The, I believe that Norbsoft is continuing to to expand that game. Uh, I'm not. I'm not clear entirely how finished these these expansions are, but I do know that. Uh, what is it? They're offering... I mean, an Antietam one was, uh, was was put on sale late last year, mm-hmm. or early this year. And uh, there's another engagement for sale, uh, Pipe Creek.
2: Oh, yeah, that one, the uh, Battle of Pipe Creek, very famous.
1: I don't even know what Pipe Creek is. I have, no, I
2: have no idea. Okay, we'll keep wondering. Oh, you know? No, I have no idea. Never heard of it. But I bet you, you know who, who has? The Internet.
0: Okay, so it looks like it's a skirmish. It looks like a skirmish on the way to the Gettysburg campaign. <laughs>
1: yeah. it's There isn't even an entry in Wikipedia for Battle of Pipe Creek. Yeah, no, that's- but there is,
2: there is an entry for Pipe Creek, Texas, which is an unincorporated community in Bandera County.
1: Yes, but that's not this.
2: Oh, I thought this was that. Okay. No.
0: Anyway. Uh so so that that's kind of what's what's become of that series. Um and I and I do know that there was uh you know there was supposedly I remember at the time there was some bad blood coming out of the breakup of Mad Minute Games. Uh you know, a lot of accusations between the you know, flying between uh, you know, the the two co creators. Mm-hmm. Uh and really, it's a, you know, it's a story that I certainly uh, you know don't have enough information or insight into to uh, you know give any hard information. Uh, but I do think the really unfortunate thing with with Take Command Two is that was the uh, second attempt for for Mad Minute Games to get this uh, system to catch on, and they were published by Paradox. Uh, Take Command Two is a Paradox game, but I feel like this was uh, sort of early uh, in Paradox's history as a publisher, and. Um, you know, I don't think it uh, like I only heard about this because the time I hung out at the wargamer a lot. Uh I I didn't hear whisper about this uh, you know, anywhere in the mainstream.
2: Yeah, yep. I mean it, it didn't it really didn't uh it really didn't catch on at least in terms of uh in terms of chatter. I I didn't uh I I almost heard nothing. I think I actually heard about it from Troy to to be honest with you.
1: I think I may have reviewed it. <laughs> Um, for CGM back in the day. But yeah, it's just... Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, it was very early in Paradox's publishing run. I mean, they just did a handful of very small games. Um, and it's, uh, the first Take Command is on Steam, but the second one is not. Hmm. So uh, if you are interested in... Uh, so you can get it.
0: Take Command 2 at f- sort of for free at Gamer's Gate?
1: Okay. In what
0: fact, oddly well, enough, I don't even think you can buy it at Gamersgate anymore. You have to play it. Like, I've been looking in vain for a way that I can buy it at Gamersgate, and they won't let me. There's, there's no button that lets me buy it. What they will do is they'll let you upload it to a play for free thing. And then you, uh, you, you fire up, the, so you download the game like normal, and you fire it up, and uh, you have to watch a couple commercials before, you can, before the main menu loads. Uh, oh so wow. Oh yeah, it's and believe me. Uh, have you heard about the Cataclysm expansion for World of Warcraft, Troy? Have you heard about the World of Warcrafts Because uh, Warc-
1: completely new title to me. I have no idea what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. So 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 every time so every time you want to play uh, Take Command uh, Second Manassas via Gamers Gate, you've got to sit through an ad where. Um, Deathwing, or whatever the hell his name is, is sort of like flying around and setting things on fire, and then you find out that uh, Cataclysm is coming. Oh my God, are you serious? I'm not. I'm not kidding you, man. I'm not kidding uh, you. This is. Wow. So I mean, like, it, it, this is a case where it's like, no, seriously. Like, let me pay you money, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <right> <laughs> <now>. <laughs> I, am, like, I am thinking, God. I've got my uh, my hard copy here, uh, w- which works just fine and does not have ads for World of Warcraft. Um... There, there is one last thing I, I wanted to say about, about Take Command. Uh, you know, comparing it to sort of uh, games like Total War, is that I feel like something that gets lost when you sort of compress action into the, 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 short, the short battles uh, like you find in Total War, or even to an extent like in, in uh, the Sid Meier series, is uh, the real sense of like uh, ebb and flow. In, in in the action of the battle. In a lot of these games, if a unit breaks, it is effectively destroyed. It's gone. It's not coming back. Uh, what I really enjoy in Take Command is there is this you know, th- there's a real art to making sure your units uh, are, are sort of getting time to rest, recover, rearm, uh, pull them off the line, uh, or, you know, even if they, you know, or you can make the choice to keep them in there, holding the line until they break, and then they're going to run for safety, and then they're probably going to spend, you know, some time rallying, but there is at least the chance you'll be able to bring them in back into the battle. Uh, and, and I find that creates a lot of, uh, you know, really... You know, it, it, it's fun just to sort of throw more curveballs at, at the player. I think, and having a situation where you know units uh, don't sort don't have quite so like don't have these binary states where they're either effective or they're gone, uh, but the, but they have a lot more intermediate states uh, between those mm-hmm. two extremes. Uh, I, I find that really makes for much more engaging wargaming in a lot of ways.
2: Yeah, well, the, didn't the um, in Sid Meier's Gettysburg, your troops were basically uh, effective or they weren't, right? I mean, you saw them kind of count down, get yeah. broken up, but they didn't, but they, they basically stayed effective until they broke, right? Right. Okay, yeah. No, I mean, I think that, uh, and, and that's actually not a very, I mean, in terms of of, um, of uh, war game, you know, sort of mechanics and representation, that's a, uh, that binary state is, is uh, pretty ancient. Uh, oh, yeah. So, so, I'm not sure, I mean, I guess in a, in a computer game, uh, you only um, I, I don't know why you'd do that, but uh, I, I agree that the uh, that the way that the uh, Take Command series models firepower and, and sort of gradual breakdown of units is uh, is a from a historical standpoint really. It's, but it's also something that many people may not even care about, right? I mean, strategy gamers will, but uh, um, I'm not sure that, that that's something that people are going to pick up on.
0: True, but I, I think creates the possibility for a lot of exciting. Um you know, it's, it's always really cool in a scenario where everything can completely go to hell on you uh, mm-hmm. early on, right? And you have to sort of put a scratch force together and slowly, like, reassemble your entire army, uh, you know, around some new objective uh, because it's just it's been shot to hell. And now you have to, like, really handle with kid gloves because these units have already, uh, you know, they've, they've broken once, and, you know, once a unit breaks, it's kind of, it's less likely to stand uh, for, for a whole new you know full engagement. Um but so yeah, I think I think w- what what you do get that I think a lot of people would relate to. It isn't necessarily that they care about the um you know the the firepower pal- firepower value of a fresh unit versus a you know an exhausted and wavering one. But I I think people would care about uh you know having these battles where you do have the chance for these comeback victories. Uh you know my favorite battles in Total War have been, on occasion, comeback victories. But that, that's that's so incredibly rare. Uh, it's it's so difficult to to uh, ever rally a unit in, in that series. That everything comes down to that initial shock of engagement. Everything comes down mm-hmm. to how the units were lined up when they went into combat. And take command. Uh, there's you know it's it, it you know it's really not over till it's over. It's it solves that problem uh, of sort of. Quitting on a scenario, uh, qu- you know, quitting on a battle, because there, there's usually, you know, if you've still got troops on the field, there's probably a way to wring something good out of it. Mm.
2: Which is not very historical. Hmm. I said which is not a very historical representation, right? If you've just, if you've got some troops on the field, there's some way to win the
0: battle. That's usually not true. Well, no, but like you can, you can do something positive with your section of it at least. You can staunch the bleeding. I see. I got it. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah it's, it's it's not like it's it's not like it's going to take the aftermath of Pickett's charge and you can somehow find a way to drive the union off some, uh, off that ridge right uh, but, but in your role as a brigade or division commander you can you know you can salvage your performance you can get some sort of positive outcome mm-hmm. uh, even in the face of that kind of disaster
1: yeah, that's what we we didn't talk about was how you are rated as a commander. Even if you would lose the battle, if you held your own, you would get promoted up through the ranks in the campaign.
2: Right. Good point. That's actually a really that's actually a really interesting way to do a campaign.
0: Okay. And it, and it, and it yep. fits
2: really well into the the uh, getting you know getting individual objectives, and it rates you on the way that you uh, achieve those objectives. And then, um, I mean, I think that that fits together perfect. That's a that's a great point. Well, I've well, forgotten about that.
0: Well, 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 Troy. I mean, this should be the last thing we bring up. But why don't you talk us through <laughs> that uh, that meta game a little bit before we uh, call it a night?
1: I mean, it's not much to say beyond what I said, but Bruce said that what made it the campaign, quite interesting, was because it was divided up into scenarios, but a lot of the time, because so much was out of your control, and you're just a commander, the battle would be shot to hell, but you could be doing your job well. Now, a lot of other games, this means you lose. You know, you lose the scenario uh, because you didn't protect the magic hill stuck over in the corner. And the hill's magic, so there's a star on it. and There's a star and numbers on it, so it's magic, and it falls, you lose. But it actually rates... but Take command and take command two, rate you on how well you do your job. Do you meet your objectives? Do most of your units have a positive casualty ratio? Um, how your how is the morale holding up? Um, are you acquitting yourself well as a commander of a corps, uh, a brigade, a corps, a division? How are you doing your job? Because the game ex- uh, accepts that you have your job to do, and everyone else, yeah, they're part of the same. They're part of the same team, but you know. Just because your catcher's hitting 150 doesn't mean that your 50 home runs don't deserve a million-dollar contract. So you you <laughs> work your way up. You work your way up uh, the uh, up the ladder, and you're given m- more command and more responsibility and a better score. Your score is tied to individual performance, and it's rated on you at your job, which I think is a great way of looking at it because this is how people evaluate things. I mean, I'm not evaluated specifically based on how my company does, but on how well I do my job. So if I have a colleague who's not picking up the slack, that doesn't necessarily reflect badly on me unless I'm helping him suck in some way which is certainly possible. I've helped many people suck through the years. Um, you do a weekly on Three Moves hat. I was about to say. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, I think it's, it's really a great way of doing a campaign because, the, first of all, it builds into the scenario structure neatly. So many scenarios in war games are, okay, you do this little part of a battle, uh, well, now we've magically transported you to the Netherlands. Have fun. Um, but here it actually follows your career, so to speak, and your success and it's reflect is reflected in your score and the respect you're given, the responsibility you're given. And I I think it's really an interesting way to string the campaign and give it some plausibility and give it a little bit more staying power, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it, definitely sort of keeps me coming back to, uh, you know, try to, you know, I will win a scenario, right? But, I you know, I, I will come away feeling like I could have done better. I look at my score, and I'm like, that that doesn't seem where it should be. And then I'm, you know, then I'm incentive to, uh, you know, come back and try it again. Uh, this is definitely a game where I have, I've played some scenarios many, many, many times, uh, which is, you know, Perhaps the last thing that, that I'll that I'll discuss with with this game, just as a parting thought, is that I feel like I feel like I don't see enough war games just focusing uh, on one one battle anymore. And cre- like I, I sort of feel like I, I see a ton of campaign war games. Uh, the, the the tendency seems to be uh, go bigger, uh, link things together, and. I think Take Command really shows how good discrete scenarios can be. How good a well-designed scenario uh, can keep you going back long after games with, you know, supposedly dynamic campaigns uh, have completely paled. Um, you know, this is this is a game that I've sort of been playing on and off for, you know, God, when did it come out? Uh, I think like 2003, 2004, uh, and I've sort of been playing it ever since then.
2: Yeah, it's a good point about how uh, there haven't been there have been fewer and fewer war games about battles. Um, you know the uh, the old battleground series. You could see yep. uh, you know battle of this and battle of that, and uh, now you don't really see that anymore. Um, I think that the campaign. Got, I mean, people, gamers just expect more and more out of uh, out of uh, out of games, and um, I think that at one point, you know, just having a having a game of the entire Battle of Borodino just seemed like a big deal. And now it doesn't anymore. Um, I think that's why that's happening. But um, uh, and the the idea of the battle itself, you know, somebody's going it, to. It's really it's it's a it's a it's a return to the idea of the game as a competition. You know, you play the battle to see who wins, and, and the scenario is definitely focused on. You know, are you going to win the scenario? How well are you going to do? Uh, you know, in the scenario, uh, but you know, as as the scenario condition set forth regardless of anything else it's a real sort of competitive focus and i think that that's something that uh that i i appreciate and i agree that you don't really see that that much it, it, the games are much more about telling the whole story and telling little stories about um about the progression through a campaign
0: which yeah, you know I, I always find that that kind of thing a little bit strange like i understand like you you know to an extent you have to give people what they want you know you kind of have to answer to their expectations a- at the same time though i j- i just find it so surprising that because there is this you know uh you know, because you, because so many gamers are saying, you know, well, I want something that, I don't want to just play a battle in the Civil War, I want to play all the battles of the Civil War linked to in a grand campaign. Uh, I, I do find it strange that, you know, with, with, with a few exceptions, everyone just sort of uh, gone along with that, even though they acknowledge, you know, like, I don't, you know, I don't remember, you know, I, I don't think there was, I don't think, you know, there's a, there a backlash against, you know, Sid Meier's Gettysburg uh, because it didn't, you know, cover the entire war. I think uh, there was some. Really? It was some from me. Oh, well. <laughs> well, uh, uh, on the grounds that it didn't cover the entire war or because of the way it covered the battle?
2: Uh, both. Not the entire, entire war, not the entire war, entire
0: battle. Oh, for for not having like for not giving you the entire battle. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, and I and I understand that, but I I feel like you know even, you know even the like even if the, even you could control the, the entire battle, even that's not enough anymore. I see. I got you. Yeah, I think we've come to a really good conclusion about this game, which is that it's really good, and we <laughs> wish we saw more like it. Uh, it, I, I always find it a little melancholy when I revisit what what kind of seems like an evolutionary dead end uh, when when I think there's a lot of great ideas there that someone could easily pick up and run with.
2: Yeah, well, it's uh, it's just a Kickstarter waiting to happen.
0: All right, well, that does it for our show on Take Command Two Second Manassas. Uh, as we said, you can sort of, kind of get it uh, at at. Uh, Gamer's Gate, along with the news about uh, World of Warcraft Cataclysm, or you can look for a copy uh, on the on on the internet. Uh, I'm sure there's quite a few used ones uh, floating around. Look forward to talking to you next week. Uh, as always, our thanks to Michael Hermes for uh, what is almost certainly going to be a bear of an editing job, especially with the uh, awful audio situation that I've been working on this week. Uh, and I apologize for any audio audio issues that may have made this show uh, a little less uh, melodious than usual. Uh, say goodnight, everybody. Bye, all. Good night, gamers. <laughs> not you. Not Don't you start. <laughs> I can't. Like, one is enough.